Welcome, everybody, to the Bread of Life World Missions Radio Network. This is Tim Fogarty. I'm joined with today with Michael Young from Panama. Hello, Michael. <laughs> Buenos dias, Tim. Good to have you here. Uh, we're our last day here in Panama. We're heading back to the United States for a short time and then off to Colombia and uh, doing our missions over there. Had a great time here working with Michael and uh, uh, working with the indigenous here, and it has been a blessing for us. And um, so this has been great. Um, we're getting ready for a, a really big event happening on July 18th um, at 5 o'clock Eastern time. It's called Come Home Revival. And uh, we have churches right now that are all over the world that have signed up for it. We have three churches in Chile, three churches in the United States, two churches in Mexico. We've got a church in Honduras and Costa Rica. And um, I believe that was it. But there might be some more on Honduras also. So we've got some great uh, church hosts. I'm going to watch the revival in their own city in their own country and have revival. And that's kind of what the topic is today. Uh, we want to talk about um, is revival and how we've come to know the Lord and the journey and all that part and stuff. So um, um, I'm going to let Michael kind of jump in there and talk about what that means and what some good references are. Well, you know, Tim, I'm really kind of distressed. I, I do see spiritual awakenings happening. As you mentioned, the churches that have all come aboard are, for the most part, Spanish uh, and Central and South America and Mexico. And very, very few people in the United States have shown any interest at all in revival. And that hurts me, uh, frankly, not because there's a lack of participation on their part, but it shows the quality of life and the soul uh, of the United States at this moment. And, and, of course, I know I'm talking to people who are probably likewise concerned about the fate of the United States, about the fate of our nation, about how there's so much indifference. We uh, studied yesterday, if you remember, in Daniel 5, and that was a handwriting mm. on the wall. And uh, if you remember that passage, uh, Belshazzar, who is a king, the grandson, actually, it says the son, but the son was uh, uh, the grandson more often than not. Belshazzar was um, uh, drinking from the gold and silver and goblets that he had taken from Jerusalem and uh, abasing them and praising the gods of iron and steel and gold and silver and wood and stone as the Bible says, which, of course, we know are not gods at all. In other words, he was praising his own efforts and the kingdom and such glorious height that that kingdom had arisen too. And at that moment, then, what happens? The handwriting of God mm. appears on the wall and says, basically, tonight, it's all over for you. Your life on this earth is over. Your nation is over. There's nothing that's going to remain because I'm going to show you who's boss. Now, when I see that in terms of the United States, I hear our leadership talk about God as if, well, this all depends on us. God has nothing to do with our leadership. And I thought, what arrogance we have as a nation. And if God was not uh, able, if God was not willing to allow Belshazzar to continue when he was the uh, king of Babylon because of his arrogance and his pride, the sin of pride that he obviously shown, then why in the world would he allow the United States to continue in this? And of course the answer is he won't. Mm -hmm. Now we might not see something as dramatic as a hand writing on the wall 
uh, as Belshazzar did, but we certainly have seen signs that God is saying, wait, this is enough. You better turn back or I am going to destroy your nation. And so that's where I am today, and I know you're in the same way. The reason that Tim and I uh, uh, really, well, it's Tim more than me, but Tim birthed this idea of a comeback revival is uh, our hearts were just uh, destroyed over what we're seeing mm-hmm. and over the need for revival. And we know unless the United States turns back, there will be no opportunity. You can jump in, Tim, there anytime and add your yeah, thoughts yeah. on that. It's it's rough right now seeing what's going on in the world. It's um, it's very distressful, and um, and we have very little to say, and our world is turning that way. If you see many countries falling apart, where the, then democracy is falling away, and it's more of a dictatorship, and the government's telling us what to do. Um, you know, We have a lot of freedoms in the United States, but there's a lot of other countries in this world that don't have the freedoms and we're going to be in that same predicament eventually if we continue um and there's a lot of a lot of things we can't do and a lot of things we can do as a country and we need to pray we need to pray for our country number one and uh, for our world and there's so much um need out there there's so many lost people out there that think that all roads lead to the same god all religions lead to the same god and that's what people believe and a lot of people don't want to say anything because they're afraid to be offensive to somebody. And now we have to speak the truth, and the truth comes from God's word and the Bible, and and that's that word has never changed. And many religions have changed to conform to society today because people are saying that things are not right and and we're in a different world. But the God's words never change, and we can't let government or anything else change what God's word says. We need to be faithful to that and, and, and share the gospel. And that's why the Come Home Revival has been such a powerful thing that in my life that I think that would make a huge difference. And we've gotten pastors and singers all around the world to um, perform for us and to preach God's word and speak on revival. And we, we know and we totally believe that this is going to be a life-changing event for us. And uh, we want everyone possible to share this to other people. And if you are a pastor or a part of a church, um, you can easily register for this event at uh, www.chr2021.com. And you can see what it's all about. And we provide all the resources for you to do a really great job of doing revival in your own church because you you know your community better than we do. And you know how to reach your flock, but we're giving you the tools to do it. And we just feel that... Um, there's so many opportunities out there to um, come to know the Lord. And for me, it took a long journey to know the Lord. Um, I knew it growing up in the church, and um, I thought that I knew God, and I knew who He was, and I knew Jesus Christ, and I knew the Trinity, and I knew all about all that. But it didn't have Him in my heart. And it took it took me like 20 years after someone shared the gospel with me for the first time for me to realize that it's not about me. When Mike was speaking about what we learned about uh, in the Bible, or we did a devotion the other day with the handwriting on the wall, and that whole story is based on man trying to be in charge. It's about pride. And that's what my problem was, is that I wanted to live my life. And that's what the society today is, is about living your life for yourself, being in charge, being in, in control. And at one point in my life, I realized that I couldn't be, do it anymore. I I couldn't be in control anymore because I couldn't change what was happening around me and my life was going in circles and I felt 
I felt um, unled. And so I finally, my heart finally broke and I finally had an opportunity to go to a church and I was invited to go to a church and I heard the gospel again and it sunk in and revival began in my heart. And revival is not an instantaneous, Some for some people it is, but for most of us, it's a journey where we have to hear God's word, accept him in our heart. And then it's day to day, just learning about what does that mean for revival? And that's our hope and our prayer that after this event that you can be connected to a local church, either online or in person, and become part of that and to learn what that journey means and, and how to get involved in that. So that's kind of the focus of our, of our Come Home Revival, Michael. I wanted to talk uh, just a moment, if, uh, if it's okay with you, Tim. I want yeah. to talk about uh, Jewish weddings. So much of the Bible, uh, the New Testament, and some of the parables we have such difficulty with, and it would be much easier understood if we understood the customs of the Jewish wedding. And uh, I'm going somewhere with this, believe it or not. I want to talk about the parable of the ten virgins, uh, but I want to do it in in light of how you need to understand the Jewish customs of a wedding. Uh, When a man would wed a wife, he would go to uh, his father first and say, I've seen someone. Now, he may not have really met her. He just saw her in the marketplace and had been watching her and decided, you know, I'd like to marry her. Then the father would go to the girl's father with the groom, prospective groom, and they would work out a deal for the bride. Now, that sounds kind of chauvinistic and uh, machismo, but uh, it it really, uh, the bride does have a very definite stay. Uh, say in this. And uh, after they would agree on that, then they would pour a cup of wine and the bride would be invited in or the prospective bride would be invited in and they would tell her the situation that he wanted to marry her and the wine was there before her. And if she rejected the whole thing, then she just turned and walked out. If she accepted, then she would take the wine and she would drink that cup of wine. And, uh, of course, that's biblical when Jesus was talking about, you need to take this. You need to take this. You make a decision for me as to whether you will become part of me or not. But then uh, after that, he would bring all this uh, worldly riches, gold, silver, money that he had. And usually, of course, he wouldn't have a whole lot to give the bride, but he would give her what he had. And she was to use all those gifts to make herself ready and to get the household that she would prepare in the future ready. And so she would buy and sell and be active in it. And it wasn't uh, as if they were betrothed. It was more like they were already married, but they were separated completely until the day of the wedding. And then the uh, bridegroom would go back and he would begin to build a house. And isn't that what Jesus has done with us? He's gone back to build that house for us. And he and the father, uh, the bridegroom and the father, would build on that house. And usually it was just another part of the existing structure, but it would be his house for his bride. And then he would wait and wait and wait until the father said, now is the time. The Father declared, and and of course that goes along with what Jesus said, no one knows when the time is. The Father only sets that time. 
And everybody else waits until the father says, now is the time. And so the bridegroom would say, now is the time. Or the, the bridegroom's father would say, now is the time. It might be in the middle of the night. And the bridegroom would immediately jump up. His best friends would jump up. And they'd get musical instruments, drums, and so forth. And they'd come into the town and they'd start beating the drums and start shouting and singing from a long distance off. And, of course, the whole town would be aroused and wake up. And they knew what was going on. And the bride and her virgins that were with her companies would get ready and come out and light their lamps and come out and follow him back to the house. Now, when that wedding took place, the gates would be closed at a certain time. And it didn't matter who you were. If you weren't inside that gate, you were excluded from the wedding party. And so doesn't that talk to you about what God requires of us? When he talks in that parable of the ten virgins, five were wise, they had oil in their lamps, which means they were prepared, they were ready, they were eager, they were watching. Now it does say all fell asleep, and that's what we see going on in our world today, is a whole bunch of us are going to sleep, that five of them were prepared even though they went to sleep, they made sure things were ready. Now, what that sleep means, we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about that, but we won't do that today. They would then go back with that new groom, and the wedding would take place. And the joy in that place would be overwhelming. And that's what I see lacking from us today. We have many who call themselves Christians, but they aren't living in the joy of the, war, of the Lord. They aren't ready for the Lord's return. They're the servants that are just kind of sitting around saying, ah, maybe it's going to be true. Maybe the Lord will come back. And maybe he won't. But we know he's coming back. And so what Tim was talking about as far as revival means the return of the Lord in our hearts. Again, to cherish him, to stay awake, to be alert. Well, we're told in the Bible to watch and pray. Watch and pray. What does that mean? When you say watch and pray, it means look at the events around you that are going on. Pray about your condition. Pray about the state of your nation, about your community, about your friends, neighbors, your children, husbands, wives, all those things. Pray while you watch those things and say, ah, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. No one knows the day, but that house that God has prepared for me in heaven is just about ready Soon he'll be coming back, and I can enter into the full joy. That's not to say we don't have joy now. And that's one of the disturbing things I see is people aren't walking in the joy of the Lord. The Lord has so much, just as a husband left all those gifts for his prospective bride, and she was to use those gifts. We have so much already. Mm. So let us start using those things. Let us be rejoicing in what God has for us. Oh, thank so what you. what do you think? Oh, that's awesome. It's amazing the stories in the Bible. And we think of the Old Testament as just a storybook of old traditions and laws and rules. But there's so much figuratism in there of the presence of Jesus, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. And uh, uh, Pastor Michael has made that known to me and through Bible studies that there's so much in the Bible that we, you know, we just don't understand. But if we really study it, you can see Jesus in almost every single, every mm -hmm. single story that's out there in the mm -hmm. Old Testament. It's everywhere. And the story of, the, of what he's done for us and what he's doing for us and the whole story of redemption, that's what it's all about. Is uh, We failed in the beginning and Adam and Eve and the whole book of the Bible, all the books come to the same conclusion. It's redemption. We need to be redeemed. 
we need to be saved. So it was a great, great time this afternoon for uh, sharing this message. And each week we're going to have different guests on joining this podcast. Um, we'll be doing some guests from um, Guatemala and Colombia and all around the world that we visit and other missionaries that serve worldwide. And we love for you to tune into our podcast weekly and also visit us on uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page, like our page, Bread of Life World Missions, and also our website, breadoflifeworldmissions.org. And uh, if you need any prayer requests at all, please visit our page and click on the comments section. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll pray over you and uh, and help you whatever you need. So thank you for, for tuning in today. We, we ask that you enjoy this day, and God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye.